Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm April Fallon. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm your host, April Fallon. I am the adoptive mother of four children, and I am so glad you're loving season six. We are too. I appreciate your reviews and for following us on social media. Thank you to all of our subscribers who are the first to get that podcast when it's being released. I appreciate your listenership and all that you do. Those of you that have given financially to Adoption Now nonprofit, your giving is how we are able to produce so many stories. Nick, our producer, is the one making these shows sound so good. Thank you so much, Nick. He's been working overtime on this show because we've had so many stories in the backlog for people waiting while we were on break, and now we're just cranking them out. I think we're scheduled to do six this week, so... Things are moving fast. I also want to say thank you so much to the people who work in adoption and use this podcast as a resource for families who are doing their training hours. I've had so many people tell me they've heard of the show from their caseworker adoption agency or even their adoption group. I am so blessed to know that the show has done what we wanted it to do. We wanted it to be a real and honest place of storytelling And all my guests through the years have done just that. I love that. Even though there are hard times, so many families just keep doing the next step. You know, I always say that in the process, just do the next step. If you're just starting out, go get your home study done. Do the next step. The big picture might be too much, but the next step you can do. And speaking of the next steps in the process, I have a great guest in studio today. Yay! Kim Creasel is a licensed professional counselor who specializes in helping women and families with infant loss and infertility. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Are you excited to be here? I am excited to be here. It's a little intimidating when you first walk in. It's a bank vault, yes. or it looks like a bank <laughs> vault, but I'm very excited to be here and excited to uh, see how you do this. Yes. And you are our first in-studio guest. Everything is through phone calls and Zoom and all that. So it's fun to see you face to face. I do have to tell the world that Kim saved my life, literally saved my life. I don't mean emotionally because you might do that for a lot of people, but you physically saved my life. I would not be here at all recording if it wasn't for Kim. I got COVID really bad around Thanksgiving and it went into my lungs and I consider myself pretty healthy. So I was really surprised when I texted her that I was feeling sick. She was like, you need to get to the hospital. I'm like, no, I know. I'm fine. It's like day two. I'm fine. But I had a fever for so long. And when it went into my lungs, she's like, you need to get to the ER. And I just didn't believe her, but I went to the ER and they gave me, what was it at that time that? Oh, the, uh, monoclonal antibodies. Yes. They gave me that, but it had already gone into my lungs and I wasn't even able to walk to the bathroom. I mean, I just couldn't catch my breath. But at that time, there were so many people in the emergency room that even at, what was I at? 89, 88% oxygen. They sent me home. They're like, there's nothing we can do unless you get below 80, come back. 
But I wasn't getting better. I went home. I I was talking to my doctor. They were like, oh, we'll send you oxygen. They ran out of oxygen. And I just, days were going by. I was getting worse. And finally, you set me up with your sister-in-law. Yes. Who's a PA. And she came in and she's like, listen, I treat people in this gray area. You're, you're not sick enough to be in the hospital, but you're really not well enough to be home. She's like, I'm going to help you. She got me on antibiotics. She got me on steroids. I was on breathing treatments. And I think it was three days and I was up. I was grocery shopping, barely, but I mean, total turnaround. And I was on those medications for a month, it took me. So thank you. You are welcome. And you were also taking care of your husband who had just had surgery. And he had knee surgery, a full knee replacement. No. Yes, I was <laughs> amazed was crazy. that you were able to do it. But yes, she has been a lifesaver to many people. And so anytime I have seen people struggling like you were, I try to put them in touch with her because I feel like there's been so many people that yes. have been in that gray area. And it's really a dangerous area because that pneumonia goes from COVID pneumonia to regular pneumonia and really should be treated with antibiotics. But nobody really knows when it changes, right? I mean, this isn't a show about COVID, right. but it, if you're out there and you are struggling to breathe, I hope that you can find someone that can help you because maybe it's not your doctor, but find someone else. Maybe it is a PA. Maybe it is someone else who is not in an office. Just pray to find that person because my family was very, very thankful too. So I'm excited about that. But you help a lot of people. I try. And we can talk about the first time we met. I always laugh because I heard that you did this job, that you helped families that were going through infertility, baby loss. I mean, some of your stories are so heart-wrenching. And then you help them heal and decide if they want to go on to adoption, which I think is so, so important that people see you first before they jump into the adoption journey. But we met and went out and had coffee. We talked yes. for hours. But I remember you said to me, um, did something happen with AJ? <laughs> yes. My daughter had <laughs> mentioned that he had rough times and she just described it as rough times when you guys lived in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why we had left and you were like, did he go to the foster care system or did something happen? And I'm like, what is he telling people? So I went and, and sat with him and he's like, mom, I was talking about all that adoption now went through in the lawsuit. And and I called it rough times. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> people might think that you had rough times with like your adoption. He was just cute. He was like, I just wanted prayer, mom. Yes, he is such a sweetie and he was a joy to have in class with my daughter. And we were lucky to get to know AJ. He's a doll. Well, that's how we connected. But let's talk about what you do. I know a lot of people are afraid after they go through infertility or baby loss, miscarriages, they're kind of afraid to start therapy. Why is therapy so important? Well, I think it's important because um, statistics show that when you are going through infertility, it's basically the same amount of distress that one would experience either being diagnosed with cancer or losing a loved one. And so when people are going through it, they're like, oh, why do I feel so terrible? This is, you know, People just tell me I, sh I relax or I'll get through this or I can just adopt or, you know, you know, there's a, there's a way out of it. It's not that distressful. And I have to remind them that, you know, it really is distressful. This is probably one of the most distressing events that you will experience in your life. And there is help but it is very distressing. And so uh, once people realize that 
you know, they're not overreacting, that they are in a bad uh, situation that impacts every aspect of their life, their identity, their finances, their relationships, their marriage, or their relationship with their uh, spouse. You know, it just impacts so many different things. Um, And when they realize that they're not overreacting and they can sort of address all the ways that this is impacting their life, um, they can start to feel better. You're passionate about this because you went through this. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yes, we. Uh, I met my husband when we were a little bit later in life, uh, probably mid thirties, and um, I. We were, just thought we could get pregnant, just like you know everybody feels that that's their God given right. I guess you mm-hmm. know from the time they're a little girl, if that's what they want to do, and so I just assumed that would be, you know, my. Uh, a possibility for me as well. And so when we uh, tried to go down that route, when we were, uh, when we first got married, um, it didn't seem to be happening. And I knew that our time was kind of limited because I was 35, 36. So I went to a doctor right away and they said, oh yeah, you'll get pregnant. No big deal. Let's try for a couple more months. And I knew that I hadn't been super careful in the months leading up to this. So Um, I knew that I was probably in trouble, that there was uh, probably some issues going on. And so we just didn't really want to wait very long. And so we just went right away into infertility treatments and, and they didn't seem to work and they couldn't figure out why. And so finally, after uh, going through, uh, let's say six, um, six or six transfers, six IVF transfers, we were able to get our two children, but we were already uh, in, you know, looking into adoption. Um, My husband had spent some time in Korea. So we were looking at that adoption avenue and uh, we just didn't know how that we were going to get this, a baby. We didn't know how we were going to complete our family, but we knew that uh, we were going to get a baby somehow. And one time my mom said to me, uh, there will be a baby. And that that stuck with me, that there will be a baby. We didn't know how, how that baby would come to us, but we knew that there would be one. And there ended up being two. Aww. Did you go through any miscarriages yourself? Yes. So over that whole time where we were doing infertility treatments, we transferred um, 18 embryos and only two of those embryos were my children. And so 16 of those embryos were either unsuccessful IVF attempts. They were miscarriages. Uh, One was my son's twin that we lost um, during, um, my pregnancy. So we were expecting twins with my son and, uh, we lost his brother at about 12 weeks gestation. And then, uh, my daughter's pregnancy started out as a triplet pregnancy. What? And so, um, so yes. And then there was other pregnancies along the way that were uh, miscarriage. So, so 18 total embryos transferred to live children. So you can do that math. Wow, that is a lot of loss. What made you want to help others? I felt like going through this experience, you are, you're just kind of transformed. So whether it's you know infertility and you end up going through IVF or you try IVF and that's unsuccessful and then you go through adoption um, or you am, even end up being child-free at some point, I feel like just this whole um, 
experience transforms you as as a woman, as a person. Um, and I just felt like I, w- I really couldn't be me without uh, having some part of this experience being carried through the rest of my life. And so I had to figure out a way to incorporate it. It started by just randomly talking to people wherever we went. I, I felt like I would just be able to pick out people that were going through this experience. And my husband would be like, "What? Are, why are you talking to them about this? That's private. And I would say, well, it, they're talking to me too. And it feels natural. And, you know, I just had a feeling and, you know, that they were going through this as well. And so we just, uh, I just kept, I don't know, uh, feeling a pull Mm -hmm. from this. And so I registered for school that day to be a counselor. And I knew that I wanted to be one that helped women who was struggling with uh, infertility and pregnancy loss. And when I was in school, they would say, oh, there's not really a specialty for that. There's, you can't really specialize in that. And I would say, well, watch me. And there was a specialty already going on, but just maybe the people at my school didn't really know about it. It's sad to me with so many couples who cannot conceive that this is not really a thing or that society doesn't let women grieve. Right. It's just shocking to me because a lot of women are going through this. They are. It's uh, depending on where you get your statistic, it's between like one in 10 and one in 11 couples are going through infertility. And, um, it's very, some women take it harder than others. Um, I kind of breezed right right through. I mean, I did have heartache and felt loss, but I always felt like there was going to be a baby. And I really, I just felt super strongly about it. But I know that was just my mindset. I always had a resiliency mindset, but some people don't have that. And, um, and so for people who don't have that built into them, mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard because they cannot see the possibility of adoption coming through. They cannot see the possibility of, you know, in vitro working for them Mm -hmm. after they've had three miscarriages. They can't see the other side of that until somebody, you know, sits down with them and shows them like, this has happened to me. I have come to the other side, Mm -hmm. you know, there is going to be a baby. We don't know how. I can't promise you it's going to be this way or this way or, you know, how it's going to happen. But if you want a baby, this is the, you know, this is 2022. We can figure out a way for you to be a parent. Mm-hmm. I always say that your baby is coming. If you don't give up, your baby is coming. Sometimes it's just accepting that it's going to come a different way than you have planned. Right. Do you think resiliency can be taught? I think it can be taught for people who have had one person love them or speak hope to them in their life. I believe it takes one person. If they haven't had one person, sometimes I don't I don't know mm-hmm. if they can. But I believe if somebody has had one person as they were young growing up, whether it's a teacher, a friend, a neighbor. I mean, I don't believe it has to be a parent, but if they've had one person along the way as they were growing up, speak love, hope, truth, 
that they can make it, that they can be somebody, I believe. Mm -hmm. I always tell people, if you are waiting for your child, like you've been matched, but they're overseas, pray for that one person because your child needs that one person. When they get to you, of course, you're going to mm-hmm. be that person. But there are many months, sometimes years, that children are in an orphanage mm-hmm. or they're in a foster home far away from you. Pray for that one person to speak hope to them, to remind them that our parents that are coming to yeah. get you, one person to love them and teach them how to love, how to give and receive. It's so, so important for our little people to know how to do that. And I can think about one person who changed my life. I mean, you probably can too, maybe several, right. and how those people affected my attitude when I went through loss or grief. And to believe that even though I'm so sad right now, I'm not going to give up hope that I can become a parent. Yes. And even children that I don't know very well or that I see, you know, randomly throughout my life or a child I might see somewhere else at school or I don't know the parents. If I see that child doing something on the playground or I don't know, where they pick up the ball and they hand it to a friend, if I don't even know that child, I will just stop that child and say, you're a good friend. I see that. Mm-hmm. So wherever I see a child doing something, I will just randomly, because I have no idea what's going on in that child's life. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they have somebody speaking kind words to them. Mm -hmm. So I'm afraid sometimes they don't have enough. And so I'll do it to strange children. (laughs) Their parents are probably like, who is this crazy lady? But I don't know if their parents are right next to them. You know, I don't know if they have somebody doing that. Yeah. You know, it does take a village. I don't like that saying all that much, but it does take a village and recognizing that, and we were just talking about this last episode, is that there are people who come into your life sometimes that your children need. And it's hard as a parent because you're like, no, I want to be that role. But you realize that that is not your role and that it's okay to let somebody come in and speak to your child. And that's what I love about therapy is somebody who's gifted like you can come in and say things that we didn't even think about. Well, when you think about your kids, like you just see them every day and they're annoying and they're, (laughs) you know, naughty sometimes. And it's hard to see them objectively, or at least it's hard for me to see my own children objectively. Mm -hmm. And so to have somebody else speak to them or, or their teachers tell me things about them. I love that because I don't really see them like that. Like, I don't, I'm not a therapist to my own children. Right. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not that way. They would tell you that. They're like, my mom's just annoying, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. but it is nice to have other people to um, to tell you things about your children or to tell you things they've noticed about your children, like in the classroom or mm-hmm. in a therapy setting or wherever it is. Okay. So there are people out there who are going through loss. They're thinking about adoption, which is why they're listening to this podcast. They're nervous about getting any therapy. Walk them through what you talk about in in therapy. So interesting. It's just this year, you know, I've been doing a lot of, you know, infertility counseling over the last like five or six years, but not a lot of people have really come for me, come to me for adoption because a lot of times they're, you know, they're trying to go through this infertility first. And then they're like, oh, or some people have gone through adoption and then have had hard times with that. And then they go back and they try to do some uh, IVF or something like that. And sometimes people go back and forth. And so, um, but lately I have had several people, I would say within the last six to eight months have come to me for uh, 
adoption therapy or pre-adoption, wondering like which way to go, how to approach it. And I found it really exciting and really uh, something that I've really enjoyed. And so what we typically start out is just kind of, you know, learning about the husband and the the wife, how they met, you know, what they love about each other. And then, um, you know, why they want to have a family. And we just talk about that. And then we talk a little bit about their family backgrounds, you know, what their mom and dads were like, what their siblings were like growing up and kind of about, you know, what their plans are, you know, for raising a family. And then we sort of talk about, you know, what their barriers are as far as, is it their age or is it medical issues? You know, do they, you know, is it a sperm issue? Is it a female um, problem? You know, what what's going on? And then have they exhausted the other issues? You know, have they done trying medical issues to or medical intervention to try and have a baby? And if they have or they never even wanted to try that, they just a lot of couples just want to adopt. They don't you know, want to have a biological child. And so then we just start going through, um, you know, where, how do they see their first child? What do they envision? And, you know, we just kind of talk about that. And so then I ask, you know, what do you know about adoption? You know, where, what do you know so far? And so far, the couples that I've worked for, worked with, they don't really know much. And so we start with that. And then usually I will uh, get back with them with resources and I gather information. And then we have another meeting. And then we kind of go through all the information and uh, find out, you know, for different couples, you know, they have different grief or different, you know, different issues. And sometimes it's that they haven't, um, they haven't been able to conceive. And so they have uh, identity issues to work through. Like um, for me, you know, I didn't feel like, um, like I didn't feel like I was a real woman, you know, if I couldn't conceive a child, mm-hmm. you know? And so we have to sort of work through that and, being a, a mother doesn't, you know, doesn't come from giving birth to a baby. You can be a mother, you know, doesn't, that's not how you become a mother. Right. It's true when you say that you can be a mother in your heart and not necessarily even have children. Oh, yeah. Like I felt like I had a mothering heart before I even had kids. And that's because I spent three years working in Africa in orphanages. I mothered those children. I I had it in me, but I didn't necessarily want to carry, right? Our stories are all so different. Do you find that when couples come to see you, this issue is tearing them apart? Some, not all. Um, some couples, I feel like it's bringing them closer together. Um, like for instance, I have a couple right now and it's a male issue and and it's really bringing them closer together. He's really struggling um, because, and she's really building him up. She's really keeping him, you know, focused on, uh, it's not, you know, he's not bringing their, their situation down. She's really supporting him. Um, and so it's, you know, for that couple, it's really bringing them closer. I'm not saying that it, it's going to continue that way. There might be times where they do fall apart, but there are other couples that I've seen that it really does tear them apart. And then for like, for instance, me and my husband, you know, we've been together for a lot of years since our children 
uh, were conceived. And I'm not going to lie and say that there weren't certain parts that infertility didn't, uh, you know, put a damper on because it does, mm-hmm. you know, the spon- spontaneity, you know, a lot of the free spiritness of, of marriage just kind of, you know, our first three years of marriage got consumed by trying to conceive mm-hmm. and we didn't get to, you know, do a lot of traveling or just really focus on us. It was, we were consumed by uh, trying to conceive children mm-hmm. and then the children came and then we were consumed by them, you know, taking every ounce right. of our energy. Right. And so we're still strong because we're a family and that's, you know, we're committed, but there are, is it ideal? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Right. I always say that to couples who are waiting. I say, enjoy your life because your baby is coming. And once that baby's there, you are not going to be enjoying your life the same way that you are now. So I know you're in grief, but go on a vacation because you'll look back and wish that you Mm -hmm. had because you have all this free time now, but they're very consumed with, am I going to get picked? I want a baby. And that can take over their entire lifestyle. And it's a shame because that time is really freedom while you're waiting. But I do understand how it's hard mm-hmm. to do anything else. And there's a, a cup or a mug that um, that I've seen. And I always try to tell people this, but I know they just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. And it says, don't quit your daydream. And that is always what I try to re- help them to remember. Don't quit living your life while you're waiting either for IVF. Don't quit waiting while you're waiting for your baby to come. However, that baby is coming don't quit doing your life. Mm-hmm. Don't quit your hobbies. Don't quit your husband. Don't quit your career. You know, whatever these things are that in the past, before you had gone down the baby road, mm-hmm. the things that fulfilled you, your your relationships and things like that. But I, just like anyone else who's gone through this, know that this is all consuming. Mm-hmm. And when they can't, um, I understand. Mm-hmm. And I and I just know that it's just something that does consume you. And we try to make the best of it. We try to use our coping skills to uh, to be the most healthy that we can be during this wait. And I have a, a, a page on my Facebook that's called The Well Wait, um, because mm. we try to make this waiting period as full of wellness as we can, because we, can, mm-hmm. we know we're consumed, but let's try to keep as, keep it as well as possible. Right. Healthy waiting, right? Yes. How do you know, in your opinion, when a couple is ready to pursue adoption? Well, I would say, um, well, I'm not the, uh, you know, I can't tell somebody like, yay or nay, you're you're ready or you're not ready. I, I feel like that's a choice for them. I can say that there are some red flags, for sure, that people are not ready. I would say if they're not agreeing, if they're not agreeing uh, how to tell their parents mm-hmm. or how to, uh, if they're not agreeing on finances, but how to to finance it, if they're not agreeing on perhaps the um, agencies that they want to use, they have different ideas about uh, which agency is a fit. So things like that, I feel like they would need to become more uh, united on mm-hmm. and figured out... Um, but for the most part, I fig- I haven't seen that a lot. I have seen people that are 
are really, you know, really focused together and kind of have already thought through a lot of this. I have seen a couple cases. Um, it's been a while, but they were, it's mostly in infertility cases. It's with IVF mm-hmm. that couples are not on the same page. But the ones that I have seen that were actually considering adoption by that point, they were on the same page. Mm-hmm. It's so, so important. That is such good advice. And I say that too, is that both of you need to be in it to win it because what a lot of people don't talk about is adoption is another avenue of grief. When you are on that road, you are entering into somebody else's grief. And that is often the birth family. They are about to say goodbye to a baby that they are carrying or want to have or want to love, but they're making the choice or sometimes they're not making the choice. Choice is made for them. And that baby is going to come to you, but you could be in the hospital with a weeping mother. And I've had so many people say that it has triggered that infertility moment Mm -hmm. and they are in deep grief. And it can be good to be in deep grief with someone else, but that you're strong enough for that mother. You're strong enough for that situation, that that situation doesn't break you. Or if the mother can't do it and she decides to parent What will that do to a couple after going through infertility and now another baby loss? And those are real things that happen. And so preparing them, like you said, with Mm -hmm. tools and being able to help them come together and not break apart, right? And wait again, because your baby is coming. If that's happened to you, and we are both like feeling the emotion of that. If that has happened to you and you are in that place right now, we want to encourage you your baby is coming. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And I'm sure it was terribly hard. But on all of our stories, at the end of the story, when the mom, the adoptive mom brings home her baby, she says it's all worth it. Always. It was all worth it. It made me who I was. It made me stronger. It gave me resilience. I had more compassion. It brought our marriage together. And it was worth it. This was my child that was supposed to be with me. Always. So that will be your story if you don't give up. And having that, um, having those, I guess, those conversations with your spouse ahead of time, you know, when you know, like, and how far you're going to go, you know, having these pre-planned, like, for instance, if you, um, I guess, are in on a path towards a baby. And for instance, I had a couple recently that was going to adopt and the, the baby was ill. And so, you know, are we still going to take the baby if if the baby's sick? Mm-hmm. You know, having those conversations ahead of time. And are, you know, are we, if the mom decides to parent or the biological mom decides to parent, you know, are, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to get past this? What's mm-hmm. going to be our plan? I mean, are we going to go on a vacation or are we, what's going to be our, our recovery mm-hmm. process? How are we going to get through that time frame afterwards? You know, Mm -hmm. are we going to take a week off work and are we going to just snuggle in bed for a week and and mourn this baby? You know, what what what's our plan going to be? What's going to be our our backup? What's going to be our next steps? Having sort of a backup plan, I think, is helpful. I think that's really, really helpful. And, you know, really helping people on how to handle that. 
um, how to handle a birth mother that decides to parent is really like our job, right? On the adoption side is getting, the agency should be getting everybody prepared for if this happens, how to have compassion, how to realize that's really not your baby until it's your baby, right? She has the right to parent if she wants to and how to be gracious in that. And all those things you learn as you go through it. I mean, the adoption process is is such a beautiful journey. And I can say that because I've been through it so many times and I'm looking back and I have four children, right? We've already been through the trenches, but it really is when you turn around and look at what you've learned in the process of loss and grief and gain and joy and love. It's an amazing thing. I think of this one couple that I had on early, early, they were probably in season one and she had just adopted her first baby and she had gone through several miscarriages and she loved this little girl. But she cried on the show because she wanted more children. And so she went through so much to get this one little baby and she was grateful, but she wanted a bigger family, right? I look at her on Facebook now. She ended up adopting the biological brother. The birth mom got pregnant again. So then she had two and she was thrilled. Then she got pregnant, mysteriously gets pregnant, has that baby, gets pregnant again. And now she has four. And right now she's posting like, I'm tired, but I'm happy. And and she's so happy. And her her life is exactly what she wanted. She just kept going and she got it. And so I really encourage families to do that. Keep going. I love watching where she was as this young mother and now a mother of four. And I think they're all under like five. And it is a lot of kids. It's (laughs) wonderful to see these families, um, you know, at the time, like you, I don't know about you, but sometimes I wonder, well, what what will be the story? You know, what will be the final story? Like sometimes you wonder, I, I mean, sometimes I... I get nervous, you know, will this have a happy ending? I hope it does. I pray it does, but, but will it, will this be the one that doesn't? But most all of the stories that I have been involved with, they do have a happy ending and they do get the baby. It may not be the plan that they had in mind. It may not be, you know, the plan that they had wanted or as quickly as they wanted, but baby does come Mm -hmm. and, um, and they, they learn and they grow and it's an amazing experience how they get through it. When people are looking for a counselor, what should they be looking for in this particular situation? Well, I, I mean, it's really hard. I would say somebody who has experience in this, but in Arizona, that's where I live. Um, it's very hard to find somebody. There's not a lot of people that have this experience. So I would say uh, to look for somebody who has this kind of experience. So, uh, but in a lot of other states, there are lots of people. And so some somebody that you, uh, you could look through, um, American Society for Reproductive Medicine, they have a list of, of counselors who have uh, experience in infertility. Resolve.com has a list of counselors that have experience in this area. Um, just looking on uh, websites, you could, you know, on like Psychology Today, you could look up uh, infertility or adoption counselors. Those are ways that you could find people that have experience in this. And you could just try even just a regular counselor that looks like they handle maybe women's issues or pregnancy and just see if they're a good fit. Because I don't think, you know, you absolutely have to have somebody that specializes in this to, you know, to validate your feelings and to um, to be a good listener. But 
I think it is helpful that you don't have to, you know, explain everything, all the process that you're going through and um, all these feelings. It's nice to have somebody that knows exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I get from, from my clients are like, oh my gosh, it's so nice to talk to somebody who knows exactly what I'm going through. They don't have to explain acronyms and, um, and just procedures and, and things that they've been through that I already know what they're going through and they come into a space that you know maybe is more welcoming and warm than than they're used to in more of a sterile uh, mental health office Mm -hmm. and the other thing is i don't look at this as like a mental health you know issue this is a this is a life issue this is a um kind of a uh, transition issue Mm -hmm. transition of life this isn't, and grief isn't necessarily pathological. This isn't an illness. Right. It's normal. It's normal. Thank you so much for being on the show. If people live in Arizona, how can they get a hold of you? Um, they can go to my website, which is azfertilitycounselor.com, or my phone number is 480-319-4413, or on Facebook at The Well Wait. I think those are probably the best ways. All right. Thank you so much, Kim. Sure. Thank you for listening. If you have an adoption story you would like to share, please email us at afallon at adoptionnowpodcast.com. And if you'd like to donate to Adoption Now, we are a nonprofit. You can donate through Facebook by clicking the donate button. You can also subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media. Thanks for joining us on your adoption show. See you next episode. Bye.